Hello, everybody. You have Jake and Seth today. We're going to be discussing the 1998 Steven Spielberg, I'm going to call it War Masterpiece, Saving Private Ryan, starring Tom Hanks, Edward Burns, Matt Damon, Tom Sizemore, and just an incredible cast. Um, film was made for a budget of about $70 million. It made $482 million at the box office. Huge hit. Um, it won awards, nominated for some awards. The biggest thing about this film, though, is the fact that it didn't win in the best academy, the best, the board, the best academy film. <laughs> that, that's really what it's most famous for, is the fact that it, it didn't win, even though everyone at the time and in hindsight have pretty much always been in lockstep outside of the voting block, that it, it was just incredible. But I'm getting ahead of myself. It's an iconic film. I'm sure, like, you, Seth, and, every, and many people. I saw this film with my dad in theaters, so like, there's definitely yeah. some like nostalgia yeah. there. Um, and for him, and like again, for his dad who served in, and uncles who all served in World War II, like, it was also, I remember being very powerful for him in his own way. Like There's something very generational about this film, and I would love to watch it with my kids one day as well. But past that, I love the film. Seth, tons of talk about throwing it yeah. to you. Very similar experience. Uh, saw it in the theater with my dad, and I think my whole family was there, honestly. Um, very memorable movie. I would say, like, what's interesting, this was definitely when I was really kind of getting into peak movie form and, like, actually going out to theaters and watching relevant movies. Like, I was old enough, I think, you know, my parents didn't mind taking me to an R-rated movie or whatever. Um, and I just felt like I was seeing a lot. I felt like I saw a lot of the Oscar winners that year. But, yeah, I think what's interesting about this... Um, is Spielberg really, it's just such a different side of Spielberg, right? Like most of his movies are kind of like kids movies, you know, like E.T. And, and like even, I mean, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, nothing's like very super adult. I think Jaws has, you know, obviously the second Jaws kind of gets there, but like he's not this person that you would consider so graphic like that. And I just think the the opening sequence, as much as you said it's famous for like, not winning the Oscar. I also think it's just as famous for the opening uh, combat sequence, Storm of the Beaches. That is a probably, that is a more fair, of an apt description of what it's famous for. That is the, and even by the veterans, it still, it was called like a great, that is, again, sounds callous. The veterans thought it was a very accurate depiction of war, uh, of what happened. Um, and I just think that, I mean, that sequence again, Maybe still the best um, war combat sequence I can think of. Shot. Um, I don't know that there's another combat sequence that's as engaging as that. Um, and there's a lot of good war mo movies, both in the past and recently. And I like that sequence. Definitely just continues to stand out. Um, again, he goes to a place he would never go in other. And like he still hasn't gone. So, I mean, the guy made Jurassic Park, but like you don't see people's guts spilling out onto a beach in that movie. Like you know, people. So the lawyer gets eaten by a dinosaur kind of just swallows them up like there's nothing super super graphic about what's happening at park and like just the length he goes to show the horrors of the combat scene i think was just unexpected for a lot of people um but also like it was the right move it was the right move and like it makes that scene like i think it's one of those things that makes it so much memorable it stands out in his career there's also no music like it's this yeah. like it's just this call it cold open is not not accurate but and one of the things I remember, you mentioned the guts. They actually have really amputees on the beach. And this is something, I don't know if they started it, but this is now actually very common when you have these type of scenes, like in Game of Thrones. Like they would frequently have amputees and specific, like for these like bigger type of battle scenes. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a 13 year old kid, my mind was blown. Like uh, this, like the opening and, and not in like a, whoa, my mind is blown, this is a Matrix way, like, my mind was blown, like, whoa, like, I haven't seen this type of movie before, and it was, it was actually interesting, like, I remember what you just said, like, kind of your introduction to some of the Oscar films, I thought we would be getting these all the time, like, or not all the yeah. time, I thought we would have these type of films more often, um, and not to this level of greatness, but, I mean, World War II, and, we're, like, why we don't do more of these period pieces like set within these wars like i don't understand like there's so much it feels like there's so much rich ground to mine and i do realize that 
again, we're talking about war and it's kind of gross. Like, I, I don't mean to be gross here in terms of like, yeah, we get to benefit from war, but like, there is a ton of like, there's human stories that I'm losing myself here. I, this film was like, <laughs> came at such a, like an important time. Like again, like 13, like I loved it and I'm losing myself here, but that opening was such, it, it just was, first of all, I think, I think it had an effect in terms of like prologues existed, but like that, like that prologue for the film, like was just like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm losing myself here. It well, was the best introduction for the characters and it showed the danger. It like set everything, it set the stakes, the danger they were going up against. It also established how like formidable and dangerous they all were in their own right, like surviving the beach. And it yeah. also like established their personalities. It was the best table setter like mixed into an action sequence that I've ever seen. And what I was kind of tripping myself over was I've seen Marvel. I've seen every, pretty much every action movie, every Marvel movie and every sci-fi movie. They didn't invent this, that, that action scene to like set the characters, but they like, this is the best, like this is the best piece of action that like tells story that I think I've seen. Yeah. No. And I think like one of the interesting thing too is like, because of the intensity of that scene, you're right. When you first start to meet the characters that are like in that platoon, it's like, it really, like going through that experience with those characters to start the movie. Like they don't build up to that scene. It, they like, you know, there's the little scene with the old man and his family at the graveyard. Um, have you ever read the the William Goldman um, uh, critiques of this movie? He's like this famous screenwriter. Have you read I haven't, of? but I the I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast about this film. Yeah, they kind of talk about it yeah. at length about it. Yeah, and like I will say, like he does have a certain like there's a genuineness to his. I also huge like crank, but I also like I kind of get some of his points. Um, especially like totally he really disliked that. Like yeah, like he really disliked the old man character and the family at the grill. Like he thought all that shouldn't have been involved. Um, and I think there's a I think there's some i mean again if if the movie just opened with the boats going to the beach i think that's probably a more effective opening i don't know, know that you really need the framing technique i know they circle back around to it at the end of the movie with like the damon flashback but it's like i don't know i don't know that i need that part of it to make it can, for, for any points to be made <laughs> can i make one comment about the framing device because i i yeah. it never bothered me and like i actually never even heard of it until the goldman thing so like and now that i've heard it i've kind of heard it more and more like this is the one thing that like whether it's not not you or us in this conversation, but Goldman or some of these like like the people whose job is to like do this and complain about it. <laughs> the framing device is a stand-in for everyone who is in that war or has been in any war. Like the question they're asking themselves is, "Did I live a good life?" Like that's a question yeah. for like the, I'm like maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but like I, yeah, it might be on the nose, but like without that framing device it's just a brutal war story. Like it's, it's a great war story, but like you, to me, you really need the framing device for the question to be, did I live my, because otherwise without that framing device, you need more, you need much more of Ryan in the story. Yeah. Like yeah, that's no, the I, mystery. Yeah. Who saved I Private agree. Ryan? Because the truth is we don't know anything about Private Ryan. Did he live a good life? I don't know. Like he wasn't Carparza. If it was Carpazo or like, Mellish or any like the other guys or Wade or the sniper, I'd be like, yeah, like I don't care what you did. I saw you for two hours. Like everything you did in that two hours was worth them dying for you. We don't really yeah. know. Like the mystery is, and like that's the question. The way I view it is that question is for everyone who survived a war, survived combat, and it's like it's that question that can't be answered. Like I don't know. Like did you did you live a life? Did you live the life that you felt like? And again, I never served in combat, and I'm also not a writer, as you know, Seth, so I'm not qualified <laughs> on either front to talk about either thing, but that's just the one thing, like, yeah, and I know you're not saying it. It is, I, and even as I say that, like, it, he shouldn't have said, did I live a good life, like, at the end. Like, it's, it's <laughs> on the nose. Well, I think, like, I think there's just other things you could have done. Like, I think it would have been fine to open with the boats going into Normandy, I think that would be my preferred open. I also think it would be fine to do an epilogue at the end of the movie and show a scene where Ryan is a much older man. You know, again, like, you could kind of have another iteration of that final scene. You don't really need the opening part of it, too, I think. Um, so Agreed. I think, 
I've yeah. definitely agreed with that. I actually do think that's fair. Yeah. Um, and, you know, William Goldman, <laughs> like, he's a screenwriter um, and a very, like, Hollywoody screenwriter. And so I think he made some points. Um, I also think he was just trying to kind of, like, make a zag a little bit on a movie that's really kind of, like, overall has a great reputation. Like, I don't think a lot of people disagree about the quality of it. And so I think he was trying to do it, like, a little thing and you know make his own points but also like it does like like you said like that part of the movie plays to a much broader audience and that's really what spielberg's trying to do like he's not trying to please william goldman like he's trying to please you know the masses the people that have been in the military and again just think about like i was 13 like you were this movie wasn't made for william goldman and all the veterans like it was made it was made to be seen by younger audiences and even though now i think it's probably not age great I think it's going to be effective when our, or my kids see it for them to help frame the story and like ground to like some reality. You know, what? I'm going to stop criticizing William Goldman. I love <laughs> William Goldman. And I actually, as the more we talk about it, I think I'm defensive because it's a very fair critique. It's a it weird is. framing device. It's not someone we know. We never see him again. It's not even a famous actor. It's a weird framing device. It's a weird I framing device. Like I could see how in the eyes of like a professional screenwriter, like that's what like would be like kind of piss him off and be his red flag, you know? So I what, I, the only thing I'd say that though is like that's kind of being like, yeah, Star Wars was great, but like, come on, the hair on Princess Leia—it's well, like the, it's the, weird. The screen crawl? Did we need those story at the beginning? <laughs> like, okay, maybe we didn't, but you know, <laughs> exactly. It, but no, it's 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 definitely fair. I don't know why I'm, I've dedicated so much time to attacking Goldman. We don't. Have, we, we can move on from that. I will say. No, 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 no. That was a good point. I was making fun of myself for not, like, not letting go. Um, but so, yeah, I, you know, again, like the you have legendary sequence, right? Um, amazing camera work throughout that. But it's also like you're starting to meet the characters in the squad. You're going to spend the rest of the movie with, and it's like you're right. Like having that initial like traumatic experience with them, but then coming through it and like feeling stronger afterwards. Like now you're really. You, you're like you've you've bonded yourself to these characters in a way i don't think any other movie i've seen kind of pulls it off that way a lot of times it's a slow burn you know if you watch platoon or something it takes you a while to kind of learn all the people and stuff and so you know the way he kind of just like forges the characters and bonds you to them as a viewer right away again like it helps the rest of the movie i don't think the movie reaches the heights of that opening sequence again but like it definitely like you know it it, it propels you on to something um I, I think the debate is really more about like how the rest of this movie is and like, you know, how great. Well, well, actually, so my next question is, and this is kind of a question about the whole movie, but the, we would get off the beach and then the premise is the whole concept. They talk about like these different brothers from the civil war, but the U S has a policy. If the five brothers are fighting and four are dead, they take the last one home. It's called the sole survivor policy. And is that a real because, thing? Do you think that would really happen? That's real. Okay. Okay. No, no, that, that that's real. And that's this was based. This really happened in the war, um, except in in the story that what that really happened. Three of the four brothers. One was presumed dead, and so they brought the fourth brother home. The third brother actually ended up being alive. He was like in a prison camp or something. So it ended up being two of the four brothers survived, but it is real. And it was started from that, from that civil war story. So my question for you is this, do you think it was a worth, does that make, do you think it was a worthwhile mission to send eight men out to bring one man home, understanding that he is the last of a family that have gone to war to fight? Um, Basically, is it worth that mother's, Honestly, at that point in the, I, I think it was foolish. I think it was a foolish thing to do. But they mentioned throughout the movie, you know, the FUBAR thing. Like that's been going around. Like there's the guy with the plane where the, you know, an officer wanted a military plate underneath him, and then like he, the plane was too heavy. And so there's a lot of things, you know, that war. Um, and I think that that's kind of the point, so to speak, of the mission is to show that like it's a nonsensical mission at a nonsensical time, right? And so it's kind of like. But I agree with that. But this is my question for you. Just again, about is the is the point of that mission? If everything else is everything else is foobar for stupid or selfish or like bad reasons, to me that's foobar for like something that is ultimately I don't know if virtuous is the right word, but like 
to me, I mean, my heart feel every time I hear the story, I think that that mom deserves any family that would make that sacrifice. If one of their children is alive, I think it makes sense. I, I do think we, you, you needed to, to do that. However, if I was Carpazzo's okay. brother or dad, yeah. I would feel very differently. And like, I do recognize that. So I guess that's my question is like, I, I think it that's is a, worthwhile. Start, yeah, I mean, uh, personally, I, I don't think it's a worthwhile mission, honestly. Like, I think, first of all, like, tactical point of view, like, Hanks is pretty good at, at like, leading his group. I mean, he just, you know, kind of won Normandy or was a big part yeah. of it. Not, again, like, not, but, like, clearly, like, did his job. And, like, even after that, I forget the but he's a great actor. He kind of mentions, like, hey, John, like, you know, it was given to you because it was a tough mission. And it's like, Dennis Farina. Yes, Dennis Farina. Yeah. Thank you. Nice, nice, couple nice little cameos in the movie. Um, he's Pat got a Danson, good one. Yeah. They got Paul Giamatti, Paul Giamatti. Max Martini. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Nathan Fillion. It's incredible. I enjoy it. Like, I think, you know, again, that's a much more kind of Spielberg kind of thing to do, I think, to get some flashy names into smaller roles. But it's also kind of smart. I do, you know, I buy dancing in his role. I, I I like Paul Giamatti in his role, and so like, I think I think those parts work, and like Farina's good too. So like, um, but you know, he it's like John gets known as a guy um, that that takes on tough missions, and then you're gonna allocate him and all of his resources to finding one person, and it's kind of you know, I guess it's a philosophical question, but like, just because it's somebody's sibling, I don't think makes them any more valuable or less valuable than the, any other soldier that's out there. I agree. I agree. I think the philosophy that I agree with, though, is that it, this is a little weird. It's focusing on the mother and the yeah. idea and like this yeah. is going a little deep, but like every society is built on the mother. And I think that the U.S. government knows this and the idea that like, again, this is a very small they're killing hundreds of thousands of American boys. What is saving one to do? But I think for me. I see the virtue of the symbolism yeah. behind that gesture. At the same time, now the, the the one thing I will say, like at this point, like in the war, like it's pretty much by the time we land on Normandy, like they're getting they're getting the Germans are like in full retreat in the east. We're fu- we're we're also at this point have captured most of Italy. Like the idea that we couldn't spare eight guys or a hundred guys or even a thousand guys to go bring one guy home. Yeah. Regardless of whether it's worth it or not, from like a like if it doesn't affect the victory, then I think it's worthwhile. And at the same time, I would never I would never be the one to make that command. Like to actually be like these hundred are worth less than this one. Like that that's one of many reasons why I'm not in war, not to mention my weak knees and uh and squeamishness, but um and bad aim. But no, it's uh it's I, just for me, like the philosophy and just even the argument around it, it's just, it's really compelling. And even now, like, I think it's the, one of the most compelling things about the film. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting concept to build a movie on is like, we're going to, you know, inside this war, we're going to go after one person. Um, at the same time too, like for the majority of the movie, it's kind of a MacGuffin, right? Like they're just, they're chasing somebody and that's what leads them into different situations. And so like, it just kind of creates, um, you know, movement for that group um and like a a clear goal you know but like um they encounter a lot i guess along the way it's quite a journey how do you feel about like that aspect of the you know where it's like you they're kind of just encountering different combat situations basically i actually i liked it it's a little bit side missiony like and, and but like i don't mean that in a video game sense where it's unearned, but like to me, it actually feels like a natural progression. Yeah. Yeah. To to be honest, the starting with the Carpazzo kill, like with him trying to save the little girl, that really hit me. That also had a really powerful effect on me because I felt like it was the double whammy after the first scene. I was like, Oh wow. Like I've never seen this in a movie before. And then after that, I was like, Oh, the heroes aren't going to survive. Like, the saving the little girl like isn't gonna get you the plot armor that it would in any other war movie like i just realized that no one was safe and like that and also like just the idea like again if i was there and like this poor like these parents like 
we talked about this full metal jacket, like kind of like the transformation, like, I don't know what it, I don't know if you can be, I, I, I don't want to say what I was thinking, because it's going to sound very critical. Um, I don't want to be critical of any soldiers or Marines or anyone who serves, but it just like in those combat situations, like the things you have to do or like ignore, like I just yeah. is like, I, again, wouldn't be a good Marine <laughs> for many reasons. Like I would be, it just is. And I think the way I won't go through all of like the missions, but just the way it shows, like they can be picked off so easily. Like, and the missions I thought, they did a good job of showing different parts of the war, but kept building on that theme, like a foobar. And it's like, it felt like it's, a, I mean, it's like kind of like middle, it's like everyone above you doesn't know what they're doing. It's just that idea that like the person right above you doesn't know what they're doing. And that's why not, that's why nothing's going the way it should. Um, but it just was, I'm losing myself here. I well, love this. Like, so like uh, you definitely you definitely don't think that Caparzo is going to be the first one to die I think like if he feels like he's kind of going to be a bigger character um, he's like the tough New Yorker like in a him and Mellish like him and Fish yeah. I'm just like oh these are going to be the wisecracking guys and it's great I think half the crew is actually from New York so that is but like it's uh it was just very he was the biggest strongest guy in the group he survived the beach and then he's killed like it just was yeah. brutal and I, I like you know, and then at that point too, like you're starting to get to know the other characters. I remember the the other person I think that does really well um, is Tom Sizemore. Like I think his performance, that's kind of like right in the Tom Sizemore groove. Like the, this period of movies, like post, you know, I think he's doing Heat and a couple others, and like he's actually kind of like peaking. And so I think he does really well as a counter to Hanks. Um, I think him and Hanks play you know really well off each other, and you know I just think that's kind of like in terms of the performances of the movie, like he kind of like brought another dimension to it too. He, the, they all are like hitting the right strings. Like just like the triumvirate of Han, of Hanks, Sizemore and Burns. Like it is the perfect triumvirate. It's like the leader, his hard nose, like the bad cop, the hard nose, like Lieutenant and the wise Kraken. Like he's not the ace, but like he feels like the alpha of, of the troops. It just is a cool. Yeah. No, after Kapar. He, it's like he kind of seems like he's like yeah like the ace of the group or something and not that i'm going through all of them but like the the one thing barry pepper is jackson the sniper yeah yeah talk about like i after watching this film like we've talked about uh captain america in the past and how that's a like kind of a hard character to make cool and superman is a hard character to make cool this is a religious sniper he could be a virgin for all we know he is the most badass compelling character yeah. I feel like I've ever seen like it is I watch this and we're going to get into some of their careers and he like, does a lot. I, yeah, you're right. There's not a lot on the page for that character, but he does a lot with it. And there's just a lot of details he brings to it. And like, you're right. He's another guy. I think that really kind of like, I, I think that's what's cool too about these supporting roles is like none of those actors like took it as a throw, throw away rollers or like, don't feel like they have layers to them. Like all of them, there's little things about them that are like, Whoa, like, I wish I kind of knew more about this character, you know? If you told me that Vin Diesel was going to have a bigger career than Barry Pepper, Tom Sizemore, I mean, or even Ed Burns at this point, I probably would be like, nah, you're lying. I think, you're like, I think Ed, everyone thought Ed Burns was going to be a bigger star. after. Like, he just kind of seemed like he was going to be, you know, a second Tom Cruise. I don't know. Do we want to do that? Can we Can we do the Ed Burns thing now? Because I've got a question. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was he the Paul Newman that never happened or the second rate Ben Affleck that just had a few flares of luck? Uh, I think he's probably closer to, to an Affleck. Um, but, I, you know, I don't, I, you know, it's strange. I think he must have made some odd choices. I'm sure he got offered bigger things after this movie. Um, I know he's also been really into theater and he kind of like directs and produces on his own, I think a little bit. Like, I think he's kind of become a little bit of his own, thing i guess but he also like he also could have gotten total like just doing a ton of rom-coms at one point like he it seemed, you know next to cameron diaz and like five movies or something and like you know he could have been fine doing that thing too i mean so quick note on him he clearly made bad choices like he started off as an indie guy um basically playing the same guy in every long island movie but saving <laughs> i actually am joking i like those movies brother mcmullen she's the one those were good movies he had this film and then he goes to like 
No Looking Back, which is another weird film he made. 15 minutes like that's a film he did with robert de niro that's a terrible <laughs> film it's supposed to be apparently it's supposed to be satirical it definitely wasn't packaged that way it doesn't come that off was a as bad movie way. yeah shark attacks 2 direct to video movie that's the third movie he made after saving private ryan a direct to video movie like, crazy. then he's doing like it's the next film he's in of any like note is a sound of thunder, which is like a huge bomb, like a, ma- a massive bomb. And then I'll let it go. He's actually had a nice little rebound, but he's like, as like people thought he was going to be a star after this movie, and like he did not, he didn't really get get to that point. No, he's. I mean, like he's had he's he's had a good career and he's doing well, and I like him. He's still a good actor, but I just like it's just kind of disappointing. It just it's very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know. I mean, Vin Diesel turned into the action star. Rabisi kind of has like you know this weird indie career, I guess. Or I mean, he's also in some popular movies too. Rabisi. He's also married to Christy Turlington, and it seems to be doing just fine. So like, I, mean, not... I would have thought I would have thought Barry Pepper, yeah, after this would have been more recognized than Rabisi. But like Rabisi's, I think, kind of more of a known name, right? I would definitely say Rabisi between Friends and like the shows he has, and even Avatar. Yeah. Like he, he has more. I mean, again, Barry Pepper. He had a lot of things going for him too. Battlefield Earth, but it wasn't just that. He just kind of had, to be honest, I just don't, I think the probably, he's actually had a great career. But again, it's just, he's not like the leading man. It's like more, he's like the dad, or he's yeah. like a bad guy, or he's like this like cop or like a side character. But he's actually had a nice career, but he's definitely not a movie star. No, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, like he's he's just like a solid guy. But like you know, I think for him, this was one of his better performances. Um, you know, I think he's really good in that Spike Lee movie too. Like he ha- he has times where like he'll pop a little bit more. But you're right. I, you're right. Like. We're taking a quick break, and we'll be right back. Who was your favorite of the crew of the non-Hanks characters? Um, probably Sizemore. I think Sizemore was the one. At least that's my favorite performance of, of those of that group. I would choose Burns because he's because he lives. Uh, no, <laughs> I like Burns. Um, Sizemore's cool though. Sizemore's real cool. Do you... the, side note when when was packing up the dirt and you're like oh he's got dirt from like africa and italy and now he's got dirt from france did it ever could he like you know i i always hear people complaining like oh you're humping too much gear and that kind of it's like oh, this guy's carrying around dirt like is that like what's going on like i know That's it's kind of cool that he's collecting it but then when you think about it you're like why is this guy carrying dirt when he's got to like walk 20 miles a day or whatever I, I, I assumed it wasn't that heavy. I think that's a good point, but I mean, it's like a little, I didn't think it was that heavy. I liked it as someone who's like, I, to me, I thought that was cool. And I like, oh, I do the same thing. I also didn't know much about the wars. Like, oh, where'd he fight? So my dad like explained to me afterwards, but I like that. And I also, I just thought that was a good storytelling device, like establishing yeah. that these guys had been like different. I, yeah. Like this wasn't their first rodeo. Now, in terms of like, practicality i don't know if anyone was carrying around a couple of mason jars full of dirt on their side like that probably to your point i feel like i feel like a commander or a ceo would be like why are you carrying 10 pounds of dirt like are you are you okay are you sick on the head boy that's what i, was about. I mean i didn't i mean i'd see the size of the jars i guess but it just seemed to me like if you suddenly had 15 of those jars and it's all dirt like at that point, it's a little weird, you know? I don't know. <laughs> well, he, he's, he's only going to get one in France. Like, it's not like he's going to keep getting them. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's like, I would assume when he got to Germany, like, you know, he'd get another jar, and then, I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's like, I know what it, what Spielberg is doing in that shop, but then I always think about, like, why is this guy carrying around dirt? That seems dumb. I, if I, anything, I'm from everything I'd read, he based so much of this on like real things. I'm guessing that someone actually, I, I'm guessing that. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Or in some capacity. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a good point. I mean, I, I, question. 
Yeah. The one thing I am not going to go until they, oh, they should have this or should have that. The one thing that does bother me in hindsight, the fact they use up them, like you have the, like, no. <laughs> First of all, they have interpreters. You're in France. There's a whole French resistance, like, of like, there's also, and I'm not like, there's something called the Richie Boys. And what they normally, what they actually did was they had a bunch of Europeans, normally Jewish Europeans would come to the U.S. in these, like integrated into these groups because they spoke the language and knew or, and or knew the area. So like, again, I'm not, I understand the movie. That only is a different. Right, though. It's like, why are we taking a guy that's never been in a combat situation? Like, like, there's no, like, there's literally thousands of people walking around. Like, somebody can clearly speak German for this, like, little troop of people. That can, Nobody like, else took French. It's like, not like he doesn't need to be undercover. He just needs to speak French or read French. Like, it's, I, we, there are two guys in our group of 10 friends who could, I think do that. I do. I will say like that whole character and even the introduction of that character, like that's when you're like, this is definitely Steven Spielberg, like making this movie, like all those little jokes where he like drops his, you know, typewriter thing. And then Hank says the pencil thing to him and Hulk just holds up a pencil and stares at him. It's like, that's when I'm like, okay, this is where I feel like his personality is coming across now. Yeah. It's, it, the character is necessary. And overall, like I, like what Upham does for the story. I also liked how he's meant to be again, we talked about this in another film recently. He's meant to be the voice of humanity. He's like trying to maintain this like sense of civility or like more morality in this war. Well it's and, also interesting like as much as the movie is about Hanks um, and also Private Ryan like I think as the viewer for the watching the movie through Upham's eyes like he's the new guy to the crew and like you're really kind of following like when you're watching what's happening you see it through his eyes for the most part and like he's kind of your perspective and so it's interesting how like it's probably no more for Hanks and Matt Damon but that Upham character is kind of like the central character for the majority of the movie I actually agree with you I couldn't agree with you more he's the stand-in and I I also think that is why um it's so effective when he basically let's fish die because like Ooh, yeah, it's so frustrating as the viewer because that is you've been watching through that eye this is his chance and you're like i just remember watching yeah. it happen the first time and every time i watch it i remember the first time in the theater being like just do it like help him <laughs> and it's like this soul and then at the end like the thing i'll say like i just want to confirm the guy he kills at the end isn't the same guy who killed his friend like right it was a different guy it's the guy that they like get away. It's the but, guy. But what I, I think what I've learned is that isn't the same guy who kills fish, right? Um, like, I, I think someone was. else kills fish. Like, it's a totally separate guy who killed fish. I thought it was the same guy. I don't know. You might, like, that, that might, I mean, maybe I didn't pay it, but, like, I will say that is one of the worst death scenes to what, like, you so want him to live and the way that it, it goes down with that knife that just, like, again, that's a place Spielberg goes to that like you just haven't seen him go to that kind of like a level in a different movie graphically like that. And so I again I think if he was a I don't want to I don't know how to phrase it, but like if, if he was a little more mature about it, I think like I think he could hit levels that like Kubrick hit and stuff. But like because he always kind of dials back to I think like a, a little bit of a more conservative space, like he'll always kind of be in this other area. But like when he dials it up to that level, like it really does make his movies like really grab you. Well, it's interesting. I, I think they're doing two different things. Like a, the Kubrick or the Platoon or the Apocalypse Nows, those are about, to me, about the injustices of war. Like that to me, like, and also the other thing, like the Vietnam War and the, obviously, I'm not, don't mean to like, man, it's like, the yeah. Vietnam War and World War II were very different, obviously. And like, this is the thing, like that type of angle or lens, I think works far better in the Vietnam War, which we can look back on and like we understand why it happened with the Cold War. But I think there's basically a general understanding, like not the best use of our time. We weren't wanted, like not the best way to use the American military. Uh, World War II, I think, is the exact opposite of it being like, and like 
it's a little different, but like if they, the second part of this movie is showing them going to see the concentration camps and like, yeah, it's like that, like kind of like, I think almost acidic eye or like self like flagellation doesn't work as well. And now all that being said, I, I am the first to say this is the generation that put the Japanese, Japanese Americans, mind you, into internment camps. And like, I know that like, I don't think that we are a white knight. I certainly don't think that, but like, it just is. I don't blame Steven Spielberg for not like maybe being a little riskier or anything. Cause the, the re- if you do that in world war two, you also risk that you risk the pushback or that line of people being like, you know, you're trying to make the U S look pretty bad here. But what about the people they were fighting? And I think that yeah. is the issue. When you well, I don't like. I don't want him. I don't necessarily want him to do that in this movie. Um, like, I think again. I think what makes this movie stand out among his group of movies is that like he does push the dial like really far, just in terms of what he's showing graphic. Like he would just never show what he shows in, in a lot of the other movies. And so it's like the fact that he's not PG Spielberg in this movie. I think like makes a big difference. But I think if he had gone again to this level in other. You know, again, like he's had an amazing career, but I think some of the stuff he did after this, he could have dialed it up a little bit more. Uh, I misunderstood what you're saying before. Yes, okay. I actually the fact that he's only hit this note once is like kind of mind blowing. Yeah. It it's like if Michael Jordan played baseball, hit 80 home runs his first year in the majors, and then went back to playing basketball. It's like. <laughs> it's like you know you were you actually were even better you're even better at baseball than you were at basketball like, yeah. no 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 i'm gonna go make the what's it the vundelmans or the fablemans i'm gonna go make right, right. um <laughs> or something yeah like, yeah uh oh man i'm sorry i i didn't i felt like that came off i felt like i sorry didn't i wasn't okay. arguing with you didn't mean to think you were saying that um once again i lost myself here um well, let's so now like the other person we got to talk about is Damon, right? And like, what do you what do you think of Damon's performance? How do you think he fit into the like? Do, do you like part of me thinks that that should have been somebody a little bit less known? Um, I thought it was interesting that they like, they kind of bring in a star there. What's your so take? It on was this funny. I, I the, there's a couple things there. The I think the first thing I would say is at the time I remember being pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, he's in this. The uh, the other thing I'll say to that. His star rose so high so fast. Like, I think in, like, the two years or three years. Like, this came out shortly after uh, Good Will Hunting. Right. And, like, I, and I think it came out, like, shortly after Telling Mr. Ripley. I felt like by the time they filmed this and the time it aired, I think his star rose even higher. That, yeah, like, made definitely. it. So, instead of it being, like, oh, like, a cool pairing it was weird because he was the biggest star outside of Hanks at the time. Like, and that was kind of weird. Like, even though he was young, he was definitely the biggest star outside of Hanks. And that was definitely looking back on it. It's a little weird. I also don't think he's doing a great job. Like (laughs) we basically like we meet him for two seconds and he's crying and like, it's a hard, that's a really hard scene. I agree. So like, with it, like every time I watch it, I, I'm kind of rooting for it to be good performance, and then I'm like, I'm always kind of disappointed by his performance. But at the same time, I was thinking about this, and I was just like, it's just a hard role. Like you don't have a lot of time. You don't get to play off the other actors the way that they they do in the beginning of the film. Like you really have to come into it and almost do like a little bit of a solo, like a jazz sax solo at the end of this movie. That's like an epic movie, you know. Um, I mean. I don't know. I don't know if it was miscast or a little bit miswritten. You know, I don't really like him telling the story about the the brothers and the girl that fall. Like, it's just like, never enjoy that part. And it's like, I wonder if that should be rewritten or if the character should just be recalibrated or recast. I don't know. It just doesn't quite hit, you know? It's interesting. (sighs) A part of me is like, I don't, a part, I see two versions. I see a version, which is what we're saying, where He's like just not, it's just not hitting. Like it's, yeah. It's like it's a great movie, and I think in that, in that vein, 
it's almost an impossible role. It's at the end of this epic movie. You've been, like we've just talked about these incredible iconic right. characters, and all the other small characters have hit up to that point. Like the cameos and the characters that like all of those have worked, and so now it's like everyone's assuming you're going to be at that level when you come into it. And that's the other thing. And like, and on top of that, we've also all of the cameos have either been killed or written off, and it just is like, or and we've seen some of the main group be killed off. Right. And it just is like, well, we've been getting this whole place to get to you. And he's just like, again, I don't know why Carpazzo and I think Fish are so much more fun and compelling right. than what's his name. But like the two of them in two seconds of them, like ha- seeing them hang out, I'm like in. I'm like, I'm right. drawn to them. And with, I mean, with Matt Damon, again, you meet him for two seconds. You basically, he, he has the ball. He has like. Okay, show me the worst day of your life. It's like two seconds. Okay, now you you have a complete mental breakdown. And now you're brave. Now you're going to be like, no, I want to fight with my friends. And then it's like the story. I don't mind the story. It's definitely, I mean, objectively, he's a, he and his brothers are kind of assholes. Like, it's not like, it, right. it doesn't make him likable. And that is what leads me to the other thing is maybe he's not supposed to be like, like maybe for everything I just said, like we're not supposed to like him. Like maybe like he's I mean, not supposed I mean, to be the best I do think guy that's how the, the character's supposed to play. Like I do think like the, the rest of the group is supposed to kind of be annoyed with him. Like I don't think it, it's supposed to be likable, but I do think there's a way to have that character be at the level. Of the, like I think it's not a problem with like having a character be unlikable because that's what the role is, but it's a problem with like the performance just doesn't hit. And like the, so, something's kind of off in the writing in those scenes, I you know I think about the the jaw scene where Robert Shaw tells the story of the like the the boat that he had, like how all the show you know that that one that was degree, World War Two exactly. By yeah. the way, fun story. Do you know not fun story, but do you know that sinking? Do you know it occurred after that ship dropped off the nuclear bombs? Oh, is that right? That's yeah, that's like they it, escorted it. Talk yeah. about weird karma. They got they got some served up some some a mean like, dish. You think about that monologue and what that does for that character for the end of that movie, and it's like you need somebody to write something better than that joke of a story. Like, and it doesn't mean that he needs to tell another joke. And like again, like I get that like having a monologue there to give that moment that character like some time to shine, and like that's where you have to develop that character is that monologue, honestly. And it's like I just think that should have been written. That or like that's where it's like, look, this joke thing isn't working. Like, we need something else that's gonna get the viewer like into this character here. Can I make? Can I have two quick thoughts slash notes? The story I think should have been about the mom in some capacity and his brothers, because like that, I feel like yeah. The other the other missing thing of war is like even though there's no moms there, like every wounded or injured or dying soldier calls for their mom. Like it's a very like. I think it would have been nice to kind of allude to that, especially given she's the character we're doing this all for, like the mom of Private Ryan. The other thing is, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be super annoying and like, like I'm not trying to be super PC here. The lack of females, like, yeah, it's a war zone, but there were French women everywhere. Again, French spies, there were nurses, like, there's just that there's not a single female in France in 1945 or four. It's just like, it's a, it, it just ages weirdly. Again, well, I guess we see one in like, you're the right. Village, there is but... no female care. They don't even really come. I mean, I guess the little girl in the thing or something, but like, again, like that's I, not a, like I, yeah. that. They're not even characters. They're just like a set piece. It's like yeah. uh, something to be saved or not. saved. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, I mean, the mom you know, doesn't even get a line. The mom just breaks down crying. Like it just is. It's weird. It's just a weird. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't have mind like a couple cutback scenes to the mom or something. Maybe you kind of develop that a little bit so that you have that emotional like, I understand why they're doing this. That might have helped with that a little bit too. But, um, you know, I also think you could have changed. Like, if you really wanted to do that, like, it's it. There now that we're talking about it, the framing. There's so many other ways to do the framing device. Like it could have been a woman, and you think it's the yeah. mom, and maybe it's yeah, like yeah. his daughter or the wife. There's so many ways. That, yeah, I'm, the more we come back to the framing device, I think. And again, it's like that doesn't make the movie bad, but it's okay. It's like you found a small, you know, error in this movie. It's fine. It's like if that's yeah. your blemish, like I'm totally fine with it. You know what I mean? It's not like a huge deal breaker. 
But you it just nailed like, it. If it's one blemish, it's a beauty mark. Like on yeah, something that's otherwise like, okay. perfect. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's, you know, I think just because you found an error doesn't mean you can deduct it 90 points off the, you know, it's just yeah. like, it is what it is. Like, yeah, like that could have been better. Same with the, the Matt Damon thing. Like that character could have been a little better in different respects. Like, I think if it was me, I would have gone with somebody less well-known and changed that monologue to something that was like much more serious or, you know, just much more of an insight into the character than what they kind of gave us. It, I'm just, this movie was an experience. Like, I felt like I haven't, I liked 1917. Um, and again, it's unfair. There's like, I don't know how many movies can do this, but I watched Band of Brothers recently and like that over like eight to 10 episodes, like it hits the same highs, but it takes eight to 10 episodes. It just is crazy. And granted, it's doing something yeah. different. It's telling like a much larger storytelling. But the fact, and I know they're actually, I think they're doing, making more of these World War II. It just is so weird. It, it's such, it is the seminal event of basically the last hundred years and it's affected everything we've done. I think it's, and we're clearly going back there with Oppenheimer. I, I want more stories about World War II or I just want more period pieces. Like I'm done with sci-fi. No more multiverses, no more, no more, no more time travel. I, I can honestly put a moratorium on comic book movies for five years. Give me I some like movies. Give me some, and if you need some like ideas, go to history. Give me period pieces. Yeah. Um, I do think that there's always going to be like a time and a place for a war movie. I think the timing with them is always interesting. Um, but like, you know, this came along at the same time as the thin red line. And like, for whatever reason, the culture was just ready to watch world war two movies. So like, and it just like, it was something people hadn't done for a while. I think, you know, the Vietnam war movies, there was really a run, like a, a big string of those, um, through the seventies and eighties. And so, you know, for Spielberg to go back to World War II, I think nobody had done that in a while, and that really worked well for him. I also, I also just want to say, I get why there was a focus on Vietnam, and I understand yeah. why. Like, talk about needing to process something. We're we're still processing that in a lot of ways. Like, it's, and again, like to all of those movies are very cynical about the reasons they go to war there, and so to then to pivot to like like you said, a, a war with a just cause. You know, it's like you didn't have. Again, like there's none of this whiny kind of political stuff that you might get from some of those Vietnam movies where people are, you know, questioning the government. It's like instead of questioning the government, like we were all in lockstep on what we were doing in World War II. And I think, again, it just kind of plays to what Spielberg's trying to do, especially reaching out to a mass audience. Like he wasn't trying to do the political Vietnam thing, you know. It's, it, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's so hard because, again, it's even talking about World War II and like we, justified war you dig deeper it's like the reason world war ii happened was because we messed up the peace in world war one and we won yeah. so again we're still responsible because we messed up the peace and like didn't it just it is i think it's the most important thing about these war films and this one is definitely i do get the critiques of it i, it, I get it it's like twofold i do get how like there's some veterans or some people were like oh you're trying to glorify it i think oliver stone kind of accuses and others of like yeah. glorifying it yeah. at the same time there were still millions of veterans and like not everyone feels the way oliver stone does about the government and like there's also happy mediums and like yeah it's a little bit whitewashing but like every culture and people do this like it's you, you do that so that i think it's twofold you do that in one breath and at the same time, you celebrate the full metal jackets and platoons and like realize that those the heroes of right. World War Two were the same ones sending the boys in to die in Vietnam. And like that is like I and again, it's like the beauty and tragedy of these war films and just like the whole like it's why they're so I think such fertile ground for storytelling is because of like we talk about the duality of man and like there's no better right i feel like storytelling device than that for war than, than yeah war. yeah definitely it's always going to be compelling and i like war that's it's one of those genres that's just never going to go away you know what i mean like it's just always going to be a genre that people come back to it might not be played as much as others but like it's always going to be part of like the movie universe um Break and we'll be right back. 
would you want Spielberg to do another combat movie? I would beg him to. Like, honestly, <laughs> we've talked about some other directors recently, like that. I, I, I don't know what happened to him. I feel like he kind of made a comment about comic book movies a few years ago, and people kind of were like, also, oh, this is the thing. It wasn't people. It was trolls. Like, it's trolls. That, like, there was some, like, social media backlash. And I felt like he, ever since then, he's like, you know what? Fuck it. He's done the Fablemans. And what was it? The uh, the Benny, the Jets? The, oh, uh, uh, <laughs> West Side Story. Yeah. Like, a West Side Story remake and the Fablemans? Like, dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Uh, do your movies, therapy yeah. on your own time. Like, I get out of here. It's like. That's a real, I mean, I get why he made both movies, but at the same time, you're totally right. Like, that's not interesting me. Um, and, and like, at the, you know, I think he's at a point of his career too. It's like, dude, you have nothing left to prove. Like, take, you know, just do something that's out there. Like, uh, he's been so conservative and so worried about a mass audience for so much of his career. Like, I don't know. <laughs> just make it... Make a make a bit of a course adjustment there. I'm at the phase with him where, so Ridley Scott has Napoleon coming out, and I, I'm at the point with Ridley Scott where this is his last chance to not even make a great movie, but to make a good one. Like we're not there with Spielberg, <laughs> but we're getting close. Like just I'm not trying to be. He is approaching his 80s, I believe. It's also like at a certain even if he lives to 130. The skill is going to drop off or he's going to just lose touch with the Zeitgeist at a certain point. And I think he already has given the last two film choices. <laughs> I just like he is still good. Pick an easy win. Like, I'm not saying he needs to do Avengers for King of Destiny or whatever, but like or he needs to do Indiana Jones. But like, I'm sh- like, I just don't know, like. No, I, I, like, again, like, that's why I think, like, if he came back to do a war combat movie, I would be much more interested in that, you know? Um, I'll be much more interested. I would love, as I just said, obviously, I whined about World War II. If he wanted to give me, like, a revolutionary war film or a civil war film, I'll go for that, too. Like, give me give me something. Yeah. yeah. Um, or even, like, modern warfare, like, you know, something post-1980s or something. Like, I, you know, it doesn't really... <laughs> We haven't had many Afghanistan films. I know we've had a few with like the yeah. Covenant and Kandahar, but like there's plenty and you can, there's again, you can. Yeah. Let's do something recent. I'm a, I, I just, I want him to do a combat film. That would be nice. Um, and it, yeah, it's like, you're right. Like you don't need to go back to Indiana Jones or Jurassic park. Like let's move on. I, hopefully he just kind of got like, you know, he dabbled in a musical movie and then he kind of did a movie about his family. It's like, maybe he just needed to do that. But I do think, you know, I think, look, I'm not worried about Steven Spielberg. Um, it do, I do think like he's going to be one of these guys that just directs till he dies though. Like, I think it's kind of like in his blood. And so I'm not sure that he's ever going to stop. <laughs> I, I agree with that. And sorry to say, I, I agree with that. And he, I think he's I know he's still talented. I know he can still make good movies. Ready Player wasn't wasn't that long ago. I thought that was a really good movie. Like I I didn't read the book or anything, but I I also saw the post. I thought that was good. Bridge of Spies. I haven't seen all of it. I'm so but I've like, seen that movie. I know okay. he can make good movies. I know he's got it in him. Like I just the last two I turned West Side Story off. I tried to watch it and like Yeah, you're right. Those last two, it's just like that those are cringy. I refuse to watch the Fablemans. Once I knew it was about, I just read the, and then I read the Wikipedia. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I can't, I just can't. <laughs> Would uh, you want to see the sequel called Saving Private Ryan again, where he goes to the Korean War? Except this time, okay, I lost that. I don't know. But this time he's in the Korean War. No, it's um the I. I would want to see Steven Spielberg do another project. If anything, I would want him to do something in the Pacific um, or which I think is like, obviously not obviously. I think it's completely underserved as like from an artistic standpoint in terms of like what, how we always, we know all about the East. I mean the West, 
I think yeah. that, or even North Africa. I think, I think actually that would probably be the best. Like if we were talking about, if you want to make a war movie that can like really like hit on some resonant themes and layers, I think making a film about World War II in Africa, that about what occurred there would be, would be pretty, pretty potent. I agree. Th- those would be interesting. Um, Cause the irony was, was that what happened, there was a lot of it generally in the Mediterranean, it was mostly integrated soldiers. Like in the U S it was like mo- a significant portion of our integrated soldiers. And by that, I mean like obviously non non-white soldiers. So they didn't want fighting. They were allowed to fight right. there. And that was where a lot of the free French had their, most of the free French forces were made up from their free French colonies. So they were also non-white and they weren't from Europe. Um, so it was interesting. They were doing most of the fighting. They had a lot of success, but then one of the things specifically for the, it wasn't only the free French, but it was most, one of the best examples of was 60% of the free French forces were from colonial, from the colonies. They yeah. weren't allowed to be to partake in the parade, the victory parade after they liberated France because they were black or not white. Like it was like, and just, I'll leave it there. But like, to me, that's a story. Like that is a story. Maybe that's a series, but like, that, yeah, you're right. I'll leave it at that. But like, to me, like, and that's like, again, we talk about quote unquote, the good war. Like we were the good guys. That's how we treated our soldiers like that. Like, yeah. it's just, it's very, a lot of sad. There's, I love America. Don't ever get me wrong, but it's just like, and world war two, we were on the right side for sure. But I just think there's so much more stories to tell in world war two and outside of the European theater. I'll leave it at that after an hour. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it there. Now I'll, I'll stop, stop yapping on after an hour. Did, were, were you a fan of the final kind of combat scene, the action sequence in this movie? Like so, where they're kind of covering the bridge? So I was, um, again, I'm no expert, but like the fact that they're even like talking about tactics or like trying to like create this world, like I, I liked it. Um, it's funny. It's it's based on somewhat of a true story. Like there was, as part of our advance, there was something called the Ludendorff Bridge at Ramagen or Remagen. It was basically the last bridge over the Rhine into Germany. And um, the Germans were trying to blow it. For whatever reason, they were delayed. What happened was the U.S. infantry or whatever, the mechanized, whoever the U.S. and the U.S. armor was, they got there first. The Germans were still there. Yeah, They were blowing the bridge. And as they were trying to blow the bridge, the Americans were running across it. It turned out there was something wrong with the fuse. So the Americans are literally running across the bridge as they know the Germans are trying to detonate it. And they just got lucky. Like, it didn't work. And so it ended up, it saved the Americans. It said they cut the invasion, cut six months off the invasion. It was a huge blow to the Nazis. Basically, it destroyed their entire defensive line that they were hoping would extend the war six months to a year that they were hoping they could sue for peace. Like it was a really big thing. Um, right. Now, and not, it's almost funny. That's almost as cinematic as what happened here, but I get why they did this like last stand. Like the last stand is a lot more exciting than the, that race. Um, yeah, I agree. It's interesting how they kind of bookend the two action sequences too. <laughs> um, and they're very different sequences. Um, yeah. I, I liked it. I, I liked it. What I most liked about it was the showcases it gave each character. We talked yeah. about the scene with uh, with Fish being shot. You had the showdown with Jackson. He's the scene with right. Jackson in the bell tower, and when he is, I, I didn't realize it at first. Like when the tank was moving up towards him, I was like, "He's gonna get out. He's gonna get out." And like the like realizing now watching like he knows he's gonna die and he just keeps going like it's so yeah it just also like hanks's reaction when he sees that the bell tower has been blown up like just one of the great looks where he's like that's where you can kind of see in his eyes like i don't know that we're winning this one like now we're kind of fucked you know that was exactly that's how i felt too and then like and the other thing was this is such a small thing but when horvath gets shot in the ass he throws his helmet and like something about that is like so like it's like funny and it's sad and it just is so like human. And it's like, again, I've never been in combat, but it just was so, it's just like, it's this little piece of humanity that like, it like brings you into the performance and then it makes his death two seconds later. Like just all the more. Yeah. 
like yeah, his death was a tough one too. Like I remember being because like I really thought that character was gonna make it, and then you see him die, and you're like, man, it really. I mean, it, it kind of goes to shit for them at the end of that thing. I mean, only Upham and what's it, Riven. Only two of the six guys or two of the eight guys make it out. It's yeah. But no, I, I liked it. Um, granted, I didn't know any of the history when I first saw it. That's not why I like it. Uh, but it's I, I like it, and it's just funny because I've heard a lot of people be like, "Oh, not you," but I've heard people like <laughs> kind of be, "Oh, it's so stupid." It's like, yeah, it's like it didn't happen like that, but that did actually happen. Like a single group of guys like did actually save a branch that like was instrumental. I, think, I mean, overall, like I do think it's a good action sequence. Um, it like again like. That's where the movie's kind of in a tough spot when you start with such a crazy opening act, really kind of peak in your first 15 minutes. I think that puts a lot of pressure on the third act of the movie to kind of reach those same heights. Um, but like, I think the the sequence is good. But like, again, it's like the movie has this weird feeling where it just feels very front loaded. It's funny. I never thought of it that way. Um... But it is like it is front loaded. Like it's I. Because I, again, I, like, I never, I never, it, <laughs> it never occurred to me to ask for it to reach that height again. Like so, I I don't hold it against that. Like uh, okay. I'm not saying you do. I think but... when I I think when honestly when I first watched it even as a kid in the theater for the first time, I thought there was going to be this. You know, we start at this level, we go on this journey, and then it's going to end with something that's like you know a counterweight to that. Um. And again, like, I do think he, like, has something there at the end, but it's just, it's not quite of the same weight as that, the, the opening part in the beginning, I guess. No, and now the more we talk about it, it's really a different style. Like, I'm not going to go super nerd here. Like, if we were talking, like, an action film, like, it goes from being Blade, the first one, <laughs> and, like, the first film, and the first action sequence... To Blade Volume Three, which is like no blood, all CGI, uh, and not being not 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 to denigrate the last scene, but it doesn't have the same. There's like emotion, and it's like ferocious, but it doesn't have the same like viscera, and that's because yeah. there's really not viscera flying everywhere, and like, but it's also I, yeah, no, there is. It I do think like it's still good, but like it's you know if that level of action sequence was at the beginning, and then the big action sequence was at the end. And you kind of weighted it differently. Like, I wonder if you if you walked out of there watching action sequence you'd ever seen in the last fifteen minutes. You know, it kind of it would do something else to you at the end of that movie. I think um, where, but it's like you get hit with that in the beginning. Again, it's just kind of interesting how it's structured. I guess it's funny. I I, I t now that you're saying it, I'm trying to think like. And I'm not saying I, that I, I don't know how you want to. I don't yeah, know how you went up yeah. Normandy. Like, um, and I mean, obviously they could have to take creative license. There were tons of battles. Like, I mean, it could have ended with the Battle of the Bulge. Like, that actually might have made a little. Yeah, yeah, that's a historic battle too. Although, like, granted, again, like... those, those occur, occur like a year between each other, so Private Ryan would probably be dead. <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, and like, I'm not saying Spielberg even had control of like when that you know, like where that scene could be placed. Like, I think the whole movie was kind of structured on on having it at the beginning like that but i also you know um i think that the, the ending sequence plays well um and like it is effective i'm emotional for all the deaths and everything um so i think it like you know it's uh, it's really good honestly like it's really executed really well but it, it it is like you're right like you said like you're just not topping that normandy sequence as you end the movie and so it has a it has a little bit of that like weight stuff going on to it I also feel like there's something about that opening sequence, like, this is going to sound dated, but, like, I know you, we grew up, it's like Normandy, it's like Omaha, like, the references to those invasions were, like, so, I feel, like, common and widespread throughout the culture, yeah. like, just, like, and to actually, like, see it, and I, granted, there are people who got some glimpses of that through reading or reporting or talking to people, but, like, for me, as great, a 13-year-old kid, that was, like, eye-opening, like, oh, this is what they fucking meant. Like, this is what Omaha, like, that's, like, what a meat grinder looks like. That is when they say it's a meat grinder. Yeah. Like, it's, it's literally humans being ground out. It's, like, just... Yeah. 
just don't delicious. think any other movie really captured something like that in terms of showing like yeah like how chaotic and serious that the whole situation was there and, and like he also just really sets the bar for all like future like combat action sequences too like i think it was tough sledding for a lot of war movies after this to because i just don't think that they could do a sequence like that so it kind of like really raised the bar if you watch action sequence like war sequences and movies before this I mean, there are some okay ones, but I don't think anything really hits anywhere close to what he did. No. And so I'm just looking at it now, like, it's basically the top of every list. <laughs> like, it's, it just is so iconic. Yeah. No. And, yeah, I mean... It basically came on the scene and said, hold my beer. And just cracked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I don't know if I've got any, any juice left to squeeze out of this fruit. Anything else well, you want to say? Yeah, let's score it. Just... I might give this an 11 out of 10. I don't know. Like, granted, wow. it's not perfect by any means, uh, but no, I'm going to give it a 9.9. 9. I'll 9. give it like a. All right. It's so good. There's also a ton of nostalgia points here. That's true. I will. So let me think. I will actually, I'm going to give it a nine. Um, and I just, I think the, the real thing that, that puts it over the top for me, not only does it have that iconic sequence that we just talked about for a long time, um, but like the, the fact that it does hit on so many of the performances, including a lot of the smaller ones, um, I, I really do think the cast does a great job. Um, there's some great performances. It, it doesn't bug me that like, I think the Matt Damon thing could have been better or the framing device could like, those are two small blemishes. I think if you're really trying to nitpick this movie, um, but like, I do think again, probably one of, you know, probably top three Spielberg for me, I think. Uh, yes. It's, if it's, if it's not his best, it's yeah. It's, again, for the guy who has ET and jaws up there, as well as, uh, <laughs> many others, it, it's for me right now, there's probably recency bias. It's feeling like my favorite right now. That's fair. I think for me. Uh, Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark and this movie, I think, are like the three uh, best Spielbergs for me. So that's that's where I stand, Jake. <laughs> you got it. I'm not going to argue with you. I know better than to argue with you. <laughs> All right, a couple, couple good scores here. Ready to say goodbye to your friends? Goodbye, friends. Bye.